0: More of a gummy
1: guy? Yes. We, we know this from episode so, one. Halloween. You guys both
2: really endorsed gummies very heavily about how to get er, <laughs> the teaching method, right?
1: Well, yeah. I know that Kyle likes gummies, and I think most people do. Mm. Uh, and also, I think they're good for board games because they're not like chocolatey mm-hmm. or salty, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get stuff all over yeah, the Yeah, or sticky so. or flaky. Yeah, they can be a little sticky, but usually gummies are fine, as long as you don't lick them and then handle them.
2: Yeah, or your fingers, you <laughs> Neanderthal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I use, I eat my gummies with a fork and <laughs> knife, sir.
0: I grew up using chopsticks for all my gummies.
2: <laughs> Gummy worms with chopsticks. <laughs> it's adorable. Speaking of adorable, today we're talking about some woodland rebels that are just, I think, possibly the cutest of the four base factions, right?
0: Oh. I think they're definitely one of the cutest of the four base factions. And not only cute. Uh, in terms of like their art and all of that, but the cutest like meeple, like physical yeah. meeple.
2: And to be clear, today we're not going to be talking strategy. We're just going to be talking about aesthetic cuteness, right? For the each faction. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. absolutely. <laughs> their little ears and their little <laughs> eyes. <laughs> it's so funny. You guys say they're so cute. I've just been scarred so many times by this <laughs> faction. I dislike playing against the Woodland Alliance the most of all the factions to go against because they blow your stuff up, they cost you cards, yeah. and they're like, hey, it's just me. I'm just trying to rebel against the forest. I'm like, I needed those buildings, you jerks." It's because everything they do
2: is kind of severe, right? They don't, they don't always get a chance to do it, and they do it kind of infrequently, but when they do, it's traumatizing.
1: Yeah, it's cute that they're little green toasts and all that. I get it. I get the appeal. And I feel like Root being my favorite board game, and green is my favorite color. Kyle knows if there's a green character in any game, that's the one I'm going to choose to play. And it's like this like rebellion faction. It's like it's supposed to be made for me, but I, I am not a very good Woodland Alliance player. And as a result, I actually have a lot of questions for you, Kyle, for you to help me learn actually live on the podcast.
0: So. I'm so excited to answer any questions you have. I am kind of the flip side of that, where I started off being like, pretty neutral towards this faction. Like the the fact that there's a threat to blow up stuff made me instantly dislike them mm-hmm. and feel scared of them. Um and so I didn't really try too hard to learn how to play as this faction because I didn't I wasn't really in love with their mechanics that much. But that all changed about like 6 months ago uh when I started making uh content for YouTube like these videos, these puzzle videos. Um, and the faction that I started with was the Woodland Alliance. And it, it basically was a challenge to myself. I was, I was like, I know I dislike playing as this faction. I've devoted very little thought to it. So in order to challenge myself, I'm going to just like only play as this faction for a while and try and
2: like, you know, do some pushups. <laughs> and Did you dislike playing as them? Why? Because of the blow up the mechanic?
0: I disliked playing as them because I always felt a little helpless as the Woodland yeah. Alliance in a game. Like I, I felt like. I didn't really know where or why I was spreading sympathy, or, like how to find a good place for it. Like I had so many questions. You were just a depressed rebel.
2: What's the point?
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It just felt like I was doing random things. I was just following the randomness of the suits more than I was trying to implement any kind of strategic play. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. I get that.
0: And to me, like I, I really love to, you know, have an idea, have a, like a game plan of some kind And so I just felt very frustrated playing as that faction. But after spending a lot of time with it, I started to develop some, like, homebrew theories about how to play the Woodland Alliance. I say homebrew, none of this stuff that I, you know, quote-unquote discovered was actually new. Like, players who have been playing longer than me have, you know, all come across this kind of stuff before. But it felt new to me, and so I decided to make some videos about it. And that led to an investigation of the Woodland Alliance that... (laughs) It is way more extensive than I ever imagined.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Once you guys get done listening to this episode, mosey on over to Kyle's YouTube channel. Uh, Those puzzle videos will help you be better at this faction and, and kind of open your eyes to see what is possible. Cause I know we'll get into some of the crafted cards uh, that you've listed here, Kyle. I remember seeing a couple videos that were like solved with those cards and stuff like that. So there are a lot of like tips and tricks um, some people say that the Woodland Alliance is like one of the more solved root factions. Like it's like kind of easier to uh, predict how well it'll do or you're more in control of that, Kyle, what's your reaction to that?
0: Yes, I've heard this as well that playing the Woodland Alliance is a bit mechanical. Uh, some people kind of approach it in such a way that uh, they're like, all my decisions are kind of pre-made. Um, the actions that you take, as the Within Alliance um, being scripted is something that I want to resist a little bit here Um, because I think there's actually a little more of a social game to the Within Alliance than people think. Uh, Mechanically there is kind of a script to follow. Um, It doesn't fold very differently after about turn three or so for for in pretty much every game. Uh, The openings tend to be the same. I think that's what people are mainly saying Mm -hmm. um, is that it feels a little rote uh, to open with the woodland Alliance. and what we're
2: talking about here is that because we start with no presence on the board wherever you start spreading sympathy because of the rules of sympathy spreading you have to spread adjacent there is a limited amount of options so there's a telegraphing of sorts that the table can kind of see your first few moves right because you're limited in where you can go yep. exactly i think it's
0: weirdly helpful that uh everyone kind of knows the script of the woodland alliance in a way okay like you know the sympathy gets planted and that's the site for a future revolt um you know seeing where the sympathy is going kind of gives you some clues as to where it will be in the future and so when everyone like is on board and kind of can see these things i think that opens up a little space to do some table talk yeah. Uh, which if you want to know more about that, check out last week's episode mm-hmm. on Table Talk. We get really, really into it. Uh, and the Woodland Alliance is a great faction to um, sprinkle some Table Talk in to make the game a little spicy.
1: For this uh, spicy game, I want to get a little kind of thematic overview here. I've pulled... Uh, A little excerpt from the upcoming Root RPG. Jake, I was wondering, in in your loveliest reading voice, if you wouldn't mind telling us, yes, the kind of like history of the Woodland Alliance here. Angry denizens from
2: across the Woodland began to send messages to each other secretly when necessary. And in short order, they were coordinating something new, an organized rebellion against the two warring factions who would claim the Woodland. Calling themselves the Woodland Alliance, they vowed to stand against tyranny and for freedom. To ensure that the Woodland would never be under the claws of tyrants again. They began to stockpile weapons, armor, resources. They created networks of informants and message-carrying travelers. They set out to recruit members in every clearing they could, hoping to bide their time until their membership reached critical mass and they could revolt successfully. The goals of the Foundling Alliance were as disparate as their members and the clearings they represented. But one thing was certain, the Woodland Alliance's goals were their own, and they were not at all guaranteed to be in line with the best interests of the denizens. What was best for the nascent rebellion was not always what was best for the denizens of the clearing. Not everyone in the Alliance agreed with all such decisions, but many came to realize that to win the greater war against the Marquesat, the Erie, and any other would-be conquerors, great sacrifices might be required.
1: Very interesting, man.
2: That paints them a little more terroristic than I remember. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, I envisioned them at least.
1: I, I, we had we just did a game played on the Good Time Society, uh, Twitch and YouTube uh, there, where we Jake, you were very sympathetic to the Woodland Alliance's plight mm-hmm. and and theme, and I just kept remembering. I, I I always just feel like they they go to the extreme. Right, they blow up everything. Yeah, they are
2: the environmental terrorists, right? Like if, right yeah if, if we can't have the clearing no one can well no yeah. that's not exact. It's, that, it's that uh if you have the clearing we now have the clearing
1: <laughs> but also i like how in the theme it, it acknowledges this push-pull which we'll talk about a lot of like is it more valuable to claim the clearing for yourself or is it more valuable to have the other uh faction take you out of the clearing and give you more supporters Right. That is the kind of like beautiful mechanism theme marriage here is that almost like martyrs, these sympathy tokens go out to the clearings to be taken out by the other factions. And then you gain more supporters, more favor in the woodland. So um, very, very cool from the root RPG there. Um, Kyle, I see you have uh, a nice uh, kind of forward here as we get into The Woodland Alliance, would you share us some opening thoughts?
0: Absolutely. So today we're talking about the Woodland Alliance, the classic insurgent faction that'll tug at your heartstrings and then use those same heartstrings as a tripwire for an explosive (laughs) device that'll take out all your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, I think the Root RPG has this right. Like, the Woodland Alliance is, you know, they have lofty ideals about freedom and equality and that sort of morphs almost imperceptibly from a peaceful ideal to one that permits extreme violence. (laughs) And it's kind of, uh, I think it's part of, you know, Cole's kind of political commentary that's baked into Root on a very thematic level, that it's sometimes difficult to say who's a good guy, quote unquote, and who's the bad guy, when during a conflict like this, the you know in star wars or whatever the rebels are the good guys right? Just right pretty unambiguously right um but in root the rebels they do some pretty shady stuff yeah right they definitely use the memory of martyrs they create them on their turn to score points
1: <laughs> yeah
0: which is like pretty dark when you think about it
2: right the memory of martyrs <laughs> are you saying by like spreading more sympathy based on the fact that the sympathy came back
0: well, the the mechanism for their evening actions is uh, the organized action. You send a warrior out to a clearing without sympathy, and then you remove that warrior and and place a sympathy in its stead. Right. So, in a sense, you've, like, sacrificed a soldier to create a little propaganda story to get that clearing to sympathize with the oh, cause. Oh, my goodness.
2: That's an interesting yeah, way of phrasing
1: that. Yeah, organized should be in big quotation marks. We know yeah, what's going exactly. on. Okay. <laughs>
2: What? What is going on? He puts himself on a shrine and just kills himself for the cause. What? What is happening?
1: He gets himself killed. Mm. I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? What's thematically going on with organized? You think he gets in a crossbow um,
2: shootout with the local militia?
0: Yes. Well, there's two ways to look at it. Organized might be seen in a peaceful sense that like somebody uh, disarms. You know, a soldier puts down their their arms and instead. Prints a bunch of flyers and posts those around, yeah. and that way it creates mm-hmm. sympathy. Mm-hmm. Retires as a warrior, it becomes a token. You know,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's what organized think. That's what I think it means is they put down their. Re- it's not that they retired so much as they put their resources not to fighting, but to gaining more sympathy, which is exactly what they do. They become the uh, community organizers.
0: Right, but in in a larger sense, though, because this is a war game, and you're giving up a warrior. That could also be seen as like a, a sacrifice, a self-sacrifice of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, like the Woodland Alliance capitalizes on it massively either way. One, one of the things that I love thematically about the Woodland Alliance is that the, the military actions take place during evening phase mm-hmm. when not a lot of other factions are doing stuff. So in that sense, the Alliance is like... You know, a a very homegrown militia, like conducting night raids on nearby garrisons. Uh, And the fact that they have such a low warrior count means they can't really go too far from the bases. So it's a very localized kind of insurgency, which is fun.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Because of the adjacency rule with spreading sympathy, like you do feel like your cause is growing out from like a centralized place and starting to infect the Woodland. Honestly, I've thought about the Woodland Alliance like a disease as a player that hates playing against them. It does seem like they're a disease where it's like it's just spreading into my clearing and I have to just eradicate it. But sometimes that's exactly what they want.
0: The mechanism definitely reflects this uh, image that you mentioned, Jake, in, uh, in your reading, where they have networks of informants and message-carrying travelers. Whenever sympathy gets spread to an adjacent clearing, that's almost like a messenger from the next clearing over like ran into town and was just like, You won't believe what's going on over there!
2: The tyrants! <laughs> so one question I had about this, because we've talked about it several times already this, in this conversation, is Sam said it before. Uh, that you want your sympathy to be taken out. Now, if sympathy is on the board, it exists there as a hindrance for movement really in that immediate moment for other factions, right? Because if they move a piece into that clearing, they have to give you a card, or at least you get a card by drawing if they don't have one of that clearing. So like aren't they overall more valuable on the board and you generally don't want them taken out? Because them being taken out is also a point for your opponent. Now, before you answer, I I will say I know that it's easier to spread more sympathy when you have more of them on your board because the cost is less and you're also chaining up victory points as well. So I see that benefit. I'm trying to figure out if is there's, is there one strategy or is it all contextual?
0: There's a push pull. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam, like you mentioned, there's there's a kind of elegance in the, the push pull here. Yeah. I'd say that sympathy exists to gum up the works mm-hmm. and to be a drain on your opponent's hands. And movement and to be to exist as a threat we'll talk about this later but one of the ways to really reign on the with the alliances parade is to just not interact with their sympathy yeah. don't move on to it don't attack it just leave it alone yeah. just ignore it set up martial law around it that's like one of the more effective ways to keep their engine just slowly chugging along so in, in that sense i'd say it's the Woodland Alliance kind of wants you to interact, whether that's attacking sympathy or moving into a sympathetic clearing that the engagement
2: fuels their engine. I see. I will say like every time I played them, I've always felt disappointed when my sympathy was cleared. <laughs> because <laughs> it, I, it I, yeah, sure, I got a supporter, yeah. but like it's, then it's going to cost me that supporter again to get it back out there. But again, like we've talked about that's victory points too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the cats, uh, the Woodland Alliance gains points for placing the sympathy mm-hmm. Uh, not you know having it on the board. Mm-hmm. So in the end game, for example, sometimes leaving that sympathy on the board, it can be too expensive to spread any more sympathy on using supporters on their turn. So there's there's some contexts in which it's it's you know better to just leave it alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems so situational in terms of where they are on their sympathy track, how many supporters do they have? And even then we're playing a guessing game because we don't know. Uh, what those supporters suits are right so it uh, as a player that (laughs) i'll just say this a thousand times that hates playing against them i (laughs) i find myself at a loss sometimes of should i take this sympathy out or uh, or should i leave it alone and i think we'll kind of cover the cases Uh, obviously if you can set up martial law or something where it's going to cost the woodland alliance more to replace that sympathy then you've got like a net positive thing going but oftentimes it's better to just leave it alone.
2: As a reminder, martial law is that uh, oft forgotten rule where it costs a Woodland Alliance player an additional supporter to place sympathy in a clearing that has three or more warriors of one faction, one player.
1: Yes. Right? Yep. 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 Nice, Jake.
0: A good, good uh, quote there. I, I was going to say one last thing before we leave thematics entirely is, uh, you know, the rest of the factions in route, like, you know the Marquista cat. They're all cats. The Erie dynasties. They're all birds. What is the Woodland
2: Alliance's animal?
0: It's it's like a little t- toast, right? They're yeah. fox,
2: mouse, and rabbits, aren't they? I, that's why I've always identified with them, and I, I now that I, I'm hearing their terrorism angle, I'm a little less <laughs> swayed. But like, I always thought they were everybody else, which is why they have they match the clearings, is what I
1: always thought. That's right, Jake. Um, now in especially when we kind of get into the real lore of the root RPG and stuff, like. You can have birds that are part of the Marquisate, right? Like, you can have, the, you know, it's not like a, a full race war in the Woodland, right? <laughs> um. So, but especially with the Woodland Alliance, it's like just the denizens of the things. And I actually think the early um, versions of the game, like the prototypes or whatever, there were different pieces a fox piece a rabbit piece and a mouse piece depending on but then that kind of became more confusing to Mm -hmm, look at mm -hmm, than it was anything mm -hmm. also i think in the original board the keep was printed on the board and the game went up to 40 victory points those are just kind of like early versions of root things i've seen pictures of not yeah not its first director's cut yeah (laughs) the
0: first kind of like preview version of the autumn map did have the keep kind of permanently printed in the top left corner, which is pretty
1: interesting. And the cats were purple. (laughs) Whoa. And there were unicorns. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So should we get into the nuts and bolts here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the Woodland Alliance has a reach of three, which means that they can't impact the board very well. We're not going to be policing anything. Honestly, unless it's like an undefended piece of cardboard for like one of the final points. I don't see the Woodland Alliance doing a lot of active battling. Uh, We have 10 warriors, which is the big resource uh, for the Woodland Alliance is where we allocate these warriors either on the board or in our officers box. The officers box is uh, we get to do actions depending on how many officers we have. So it's this kind of like seesaw of how many warriors do we have affecting the game board versus how many actions we have for those warriors to do anything with. Um, and we'll get into what the right numbers for those are. Uh, and we have three bases, one of each of the suits, Fox, mouse, and rabbit, as well as 11 sympathy tokens that, uh, steadily go up in point value uh like kyle said for placing them
2: as everybody knows that point accumulation is zero one 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 two 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 three four four
1: i didn't realize uh how few threes there are it goes straight to four really fast it means just
0: the one three uh three victory points
2: sympathy there i mean it's the whirly sequence isn't it isn't that the property (laughs) actually in the base game it was different in fact the boards got eroded right
1: yeah in the first printing of root uh you got a sim- you got a point for that first sympathy and the woodland alliance were very very good
2: is that board worth money now should i be auctioning that on ebay because i do have one
1: i hope not because i put a sticker over mine oh yeah mine is untarnished <laughs> <laughs> you want a root faction board that's broken and <laughs> that's not- wrong <laughs> All right. So also uh, some of the aspects of our situation here, we have a supporter stack, which is as we covered in our rules episode, does have a max of five until we get a base down. Um, But uh, this is how we're going to place sympathy and do revolts. Our supporter stack is going to be key in terms of how this whole engine operates.
2: And it's uh, notably it's capped at five right before you get a base online
1: then That's it's right, not yet. capped at all yeah the supporter stack is is the whole thing and the only way that anyone can impact us negatively with that uh supporter stack is when they take out our bases so there we already see the importance of having warriors on the board because we don't want to lose supporters in that stack uh guerrilla war is maybe the best special rule in the game yeah it's so good As a defender in battle, the Alliance will deal hits equal to the higher roll. Oh, man, this makes them so annoying to battle.
0: And it has a nice harmony with their low warrior count, gives them a little bit of staying power. And I think thematically it fits in pretty well because these denizens of the forest, they know the territory. And, you know, attacking them can be frustrating because they just melt into the forest and, like, leave little traps around and stuff. So. It's very costly
2: to go into battle directly against the Woodland Alliance. Absolutely. I also want to make sure we get this rule right because there's, there's a little bit end of that sentence, which is, and the attacker will deal hits equal to the lower roll. So it's not like they both deal hits equal to the higher roll. The attacker gets the
1: defender uh, penalty, essentially. Ooh, and it can be so brutal. I mean, you see that 3-0, and you, you're excited for a second, and then you remember that that means you're losing three warriors yeah. on your own turn. <laughs> oh, no.
0: And the, the way that this rule frequently gets used as a Woodland Alliance player is you'll, you'll frequently, once you have that first base down, you'll send one lone warrior out to protect another sympathy, and... Most players will just leave it alone from that point on. Like, there's just almost no point in even battling <laughs> against the warriors. Like, it's so frustrating. You could just waste an action battling them. Like, it, <laughs> it can be a total drain on your action economy to directly go after the Woodland Alliance. Uh, and so, it's a fun strategic puzzle to figure out how to play against them. So, Guerrilla War is definitely one of the most
2: powerful faction abilities in the whole game i feel what kind of keeps it in check is their their warrior limitation right not only do they have only 10 pieces but uh some of those pieces are used as officers and fuel their evening actions so they're really limited to like seven six or seven on the board at a time anyway not that six or seven in the clearing isn't the most frightening thing ever though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i have to say there's something very satisfying about like you know five warriors rolling up into a clearing with like one Woodland Alliance warrior starting a battle and then one of them gets removed like <laughs> and nothing happens to the Woodland Alliance it's such
2: a Rambo situation too they're like <laughs> they think they got him and they realize it's just a uh, an elaborate leaf setup that's dressed like them and then he descends from the trees <laughs> on them yanks one of them up into the leaves above
1: yeah I imag- ah! imagine like that movie 300 except for everyone's a mouse you know? <laughs> Uh, one other ability here that's really going to help us kind of churn our engine is outrage. Uh, Jake kind of covered it a little earlier. It's whenever another player removes a sympathy token or moves any warriors into a sympathetic clearing, right? A, A clearing with a sympathy token. Then they must add one matching card from their hand that matches that clearing and put it in your supporters. Okay. If, if they don't have one, then you you top deck a random supporter um this is birds this count is, towards that right yeah yeah oh birds. yeah yeah birds are very helpful for the woodland Alliance. yeah i know
2: but like when it says a matching card i always really do try to get specific about that because i assume it means matching as in suit but because birds are wild they match all suits right
1: yep okay yep that's right and, and and that goes for when your base is removed and you must remove all matching supporters you have to remove all the birds as well boo
0: This is uh, the part where the Cats player has to read the Woodland Alliance's board very closely uh, (laughs) and spend that bird card for an action before battling that sympathy. Yes, yes.
1: (laughs) Very important. Um, Yeah, so actually uh, setting up situations where outrage is going to happen a lot is going to be one of our things, right? We are looking at the mobile factions Uh, to throw tokens in those clearings next to them. So they're going to run over them and kind of churn our engine of supporters.
0: And in in addition to generating supporters and removing cards from our opponent's hand, the other like small detail about outrage is that you actually get to peek at the hand uh, of a player who can't give you a card directly. So if they have no matching cards, they just straight up show you their hand. And that little bit of intel can be extremely valuable in a game as the Woodland Alliance and it's something I I rarely see people talk about but I actually think this is a pretty valuable pretty valuable ability
2: even if the information in their hand isn't valuable you know the the fact that you have that information is whenever I look at someone else's hand I always go oh interesting and then look at the birds player (laughs) (laughs) you know just like you know (laughs) even if nothing's in their hand you can always act like there is
1: yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, Kyle, I'd love to hear you talk to this because I, I feel like this is something I've never utilized or ranked in terms of an ability that the Woodland Alliance has. Obviously, it's great if you can see a card they might craft and kind of throw some heat on them, or an ambush obviously is great to know if they have. Uh, is there anything else you're checking for when you're looking at in people's hands?
0: There's It's good for two reasons. One is you can check for suit um, because the Woodland Alliance's outrage ability is suit-dependent. Right. Um, It allows you to target that player in clearings where it will actually hurt them. Um, So you're not just like blindly guessing anymore. Um, And if you get to magically see everyone's hand at the table at one time or another, it lets you kind of like, you know, place in the right way. uh, If there's a choice, you know, which way to go, kind of. Um, The other thing that's interesting about it is it's, you know, aside from Code Breakers, the uh, card in the base deck, it's one of the only chances that you'll have in Root to privately view someone's hand. Most of the rest of the time, people are revealing cards to the entire table if you're going to get a glimpse at what they've got. This is a chance for you to just like secretly view what is in somebody's hand. And then now that's fuel for your table talk going forward. I think it's a little bit bad form to like inform the table that someone's got something in their hand specifically. But I think that it's permissible to start to draw attention to things about their position uh, in a kind of indirect way that, you know, one of the goals of table talk is to place a spotlight on your opponents and keep the heat off of you, and this is a great way to uh, gin up some, you know, concern about a player whose hand you've just looked at.
2: I feel like this is the. I feel like this is a situation where, like, what is bad form is really contextual because in an instance where it's like, you know, the first or second turn of the game and everybody's kind of churning up, it feels like definitely a bad form thing. But like, if we're wondering whether that player has the dominance card and clearly has the clearings or something like that, and that's a thing the table's been asking openly, is that something you? tell the table if you find it out
0: for a price like you could probably figure out a deal or something there it is like i think the things you'd be scouting for um would be ambush cards okay um Mm -hmm. particular items yeah
1: um yeah when i was uh, i was gonna ask kyle you said like be indirect so you wouldn't say something like he's got coins you'd say wow look at those two rabbit workshops exactly (laughs) exactly yeah you want you want to basically you just yeah.
0: The other thing too is that when when you have information that no one else has, that's leverage, yeah. and you probably could use that as a lever uh, against the player whose hand you viewed and against the other players at the table too. Because yeah. if somebody's you know someone's in the lead and you've seen their hand, and another martial faction is going to go after that player um they might want to know if there's something in that hand that's going to hurt them you know mm-hmm. it, it may be good to uh try and make a deal with with players at the table with that information again very contextual depends on the phase of the game that we're in but just it's a little detail that can give you an edge and improve that kind of like table talk that helps to keep the within alliance from just being a you know, thing you mechanically execute every time you play them.
1: Yeah, I'm glad we touched on this because that's something I don't think I've considered a lot is 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 viewing other people's hands and all the implications that has. And the fact that that is a special thing that the Woodland Alliance gets to do and, uh, outside of the card code breakers. Right. But I feel like that's not a popular card anyway. So this this ability is fairly unique in the game. All right let's talk about the way these guys score and they score very interestingly because it is somewhat exponential. We talked about how each sympathy, you know, each like kind of like chunk of sympathy gets higher in point value, but also this faction is known for the big burst at the end of the game. I feel like this is the first faction you'd play root with. And you're like, how did you score that many points in one turn? Uh, And that's because their engine is built for it. Right. The, the, Once they get enough supporters and they have enough officers, you can put down so much sympathy in a turn. And if that sympathy is high value, it's not uncommon to see people score 12, 15 points. Kyle, I'm kind of curious. What's the most points you've scored in a single turn is the Woodland Alliance?
0: Uh, I think 19 is the most points that I've ever scored. (laughs) I went from 11 to winning the game.
1: That's insane. I I think I would
2: quit root if you did that
0: to me. (laughs) (laughs) It was it was the kind of case where, and and we'll talk about this in a moment. But part of the burst of points, it's not all sympathy. A lot of that comes from crafting. Mm -hmm. So having a lot of supporters kind of banked, so that you can spread that sympathy, use that sympathy to craft a bunch of cards, and then use your evening actions to go ahead and like move out and organize for the win
2: what makes that particularly doable for the woodland alliance is the fact that they spread sympathy earlier in their turn than they craft right so is that they can the enemies don't always have the opportunity to see what could potentially even be craftable for the woodland alliance because they don't know where they're spreading sympathy all the time especially later in the game
0: right the woodland alliance spreads sympathy in birdsong and then in daylight they get to craft so this is a great example and most root factions work kind of the other way around. they craft mm-hmm. in bird song and they place their crafting pieces during daylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah the woodland alliance and the, the duchy are um, they have a special like little advantage in this way and the lizards, I guess too to
1: a certain extent. yeah the lizards um, have different limitations but they are able to do that. Yeah. They still
2: also benefit like the, they have the beneficial ability of doing it before they take their action. So what they craft they can then utilize in that turn on the it's craft.
0: very easy to plan your crafting as the woodland alliance uh and yeah there's there's times in the mid game where you'll be spreading sympathy just in order to craft something um even if like positionally it's it's maybe not as optimal
1: let's talk about the cards we should be thinking about crafting kyle in the base deck you've said that cobbler is the single best uh woodland alliance upgrade does that include uh cards in the exiles and partisans deck as well
0: Uh, no, specifically for the base deck. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, The reason Cobbler is so good is because Cobbler happens in evening, at the beginning of evening phase, and so for the purposes of the Woodland Alliance... That's basically just an additional officer that you don't have to commit a warrior for,
1: right? Cobbler says that in move we can, or in evening we can take an extra move, take a free move, essentially. So yeah, like you said, that's an extra action. We can move for free and then use that action to organize or or whatever we're going to do with it,
0: right? It just gives you a little bit of a a leg up, especially early in the game, if you can get it crafted. It's super helpful, but it's even helpful in the late game too. Like you it, you just get one extra little. Boost to getting your warriors out onto the map to spread some sympathy.
1: I feel like there's a theme here where we're looking at uh, cards that give us mobility, right? Uh, Last uh, guide, we were talking with the birds, and it was very battle-focused because we are a faction that is going to police the table, that getting those battle advantages was very important. But here, definitely mobility is what we want. Um, because we are the faction that is spreading throughout the Woodland. So any card that's going to help us spread or help us with rule is definitely going to be something we're going to have our eyes on.
0: Absolutely. And so with all of this in mind, like we've talked about the components, we're getting into crafting now. It's maybe a good time to say that the thing for the Woodland Alliance is connectivity. Mm -hmm. You want to be in clearings that are connected to a bunch of other clearings. You want a lot of options to you know, put that mobility to use and get that sympathy out onto the board. So, like get, getting into towards like the middle clearings on the autumn map, for example, a good way to sort of stay connected to the rest of the board. And with that in mind, there are a couple of other cards in the base deck that help to kind of in- improve that connectivity or uh, increase your ability to influence the board. Probably the best example is that the favor of cards mm-hmm. are all you know, potentially craftable by the Woodland Alliance. And this is one of the one of the reasons why I think people, just, you know, try and go for the ENP deck in higher levels of, of play more often because it's just so, it's so possible to craft it. Like, I've crafted a favor on turn two as the Woodland Alliance before. No. Like, what? That must have yeah. been so I mean, fortunate really clearing lucky.
2: placement, yeah. But yeah. That's brutal.
0: Um, yeah, oh my gosh, it's But I, I can't
1: imagine awful. that's even the best favor though right like there's not even enough stuff on the board at that point
2: right especially that early which is where if you were spreading to three clearings of the same type not only did you get all the supporters which is bananas and place them but like there can't be many people left in those clearings (laughs) well
0: that's the thing is that there are no warriors left in any of those clearings but the sympathy remains and one of the maxims that i always like to say for the woodland alliance is that sympathy loves a vacuum right in order to take out that sympathy now Someone has to march warriors into that clearing, triggering outrage, and then battle the sympathy, triggering outrage again. So uh, anytime there's a vacuum on the board, immediately try and place some sympathy there. And
1: there's no better vacuum creator than the card that nukes four clearings. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I see I see what you're saying here, Kyle. I see you've also got armors and sappers listed here as kind of dissuading people from taking out sheep sympathy.
0: It's, it's already... Annoying to battle the Woodland Alliance yeah. because of guerrilla war. But when you also have armorers and sappers crafted, like they're going to lose an extra warrior because of sappers that, you know, you can negate their rolled hits completely with armorers. You'd still and have so, to have
1: a guy guarding that though. Cause they get a free hit if it's undefended, right?
0: Uh, you're talking about a base and yes. However, if it's, you know, if they don't have any more battle actions, uh, You know, if you reduce their roll to zero, they get one undefended hit. You could just apply that to the sympathy and try and ride it out. Mm. Uh, That's in that clearing as well. So, yeah, to me, whenever I see the Woodland Alliance craft armorers, I just get very discouraged as one of the military factions. I'm like, well, I'm never going to break through that. So not even worth (laughs) battling. For real. So it's it's a good way to really put some extra layers of protection on.
1: All right. So let's move on to the uh, exiles and partisans. We have these sympathetic woodland alliance members how well do they work with the exiles and the partisans of this forest Kyle?
0: the exiles and partisans are drawn to the woodland alliance for ideological reasons but we as players <laughs> love them for their mechanical advantages i think that the ENP deck makes the woodland alliance super exciting to play mm-hmm. um and because their card draw can be so impressive once the bases are on the board I think it's sort of likely that you'll come across at least one of these in your games. So the, the first one to highlight is definitely Corvid Planners. Corvid Planners is the card that lets you move warriors regardless of rule, which is awesome for the Woodland Alliance. Moving and organizing is the bread and butter of scoring points. And if rule no longer matters, then one of the main strategies for stopping the Woodland Alliance is just... It just disappears. You can't just park a bunch of warriors on a base and then hit the snooze button on the Woodland Alliance anymore. They will scamper away into the woods at <laughs> nighttime and spread that sympathy anyway.
1: Fuglis uh, here, one of our contributors, said uh, Woodland Alliance with Corvid Planners is likely GG. He says if they get that card, it's they're unstoppable, essentially.
2: Really?
0: It's that good. Yeah. Any faction has Achilles heels, right? Well, one of them is just totally removed. If the Alliance has crafted corvid planners, their their limitation of having only a, a few number of warriors makes movement difficult later in the game, normally.
2: I feel like generally speaking, though, they tend to rule the clearing they're in before they move, right? So, like, generally speaking,
0: m- immediately after a revolt, of course, yeah, and
2: usually for a turn or so after that, right? Uh, well, that's but that's most of the game because, <laughs> like, they don't revolt for a couple turns. So, like, I don't know. I, I I understand why it definitely would hinder them, but I don't see it as like a, a an end a game ender. Yeah, I, w- I wish I had a, a good board stake to show you right now about
0: this, Jake. But so, you know, fighting against the Woodland Alliance, you use Martial Law, which is a concentration of warriors. And kind of, like, bring their mobility down as much as possible. Yeah. Well, this card just opens up all those possibilities. So now the Woodland Alliance can send one guy, like, really far away and then Organize. And now there's, like, two centers of sympathy to start spreading around. That's
2: the ben- That's the biggest benefit is, is the movement for Organize, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Especially on maps like the Winter Map, the Lake Map, places
0: that have a lot of choke points. Yeah. This just, just they they get a free pass. They get yeah. to unlock the door and, and escape any uh, containment. That makes sense.
1: Boat Builders is a similar story. It's not quite as good, but it can get you out of a pinch. Using those rivers as paths can uh, mm-hmm. uh, help you out with that. It can
0: dramatically increase your connectivity, yeah. which is one of the main things you're thinking about as the Woodland Alliance player. On on the lake map in particular, Boat Builders has a really beneficial effect of suddenly making the board very, very connected. And if you are stuck in one part, all of a sudden, now you have the keys
2: to the kingdom, and
0: uh, everyone's going to have to start being afraid. That's a good (laughs) point.
2: I feel like between these two cards, I'd almost want Boat Builders more. I don't know if this is my hot take for... I know you're shaking your head. Great. Good. I I stand on this hill and will die on it. Uh, But no, I I don't know. Like, I feel like that mobility and that connectivity is so beneficial for spreading sympathy. And spreading sympathy is a bigger game than me organizing. Organizing tends to be the last two or three turns for me in my experience.
0: Yeah, it'll be slow at first and then it'll ramp ramp up up. by the end. But uh, there's a theme here, right? Like anything that improves your mobility uh, in the base deck, it's cobbler for an extra move. Uh, an EMP deck, Corvid Planers, and Boat Builders. Anything that improves that connectivity and mobility is going to make your uh, your game just all the more solid. Uh, so watch out for those two. Um, we've got down here Propaganda Bureau, mm-hmm. and I think this one is, is pretty clutch as well.
1: Can we get a reading of Propaganda Bureau?
0: Propaganda Bureau. Once in daylight may spend a card to remove an enemy warrior from a matching clearing and place a warrior there. So that's Propaganda Bureau, and the reason I think the that this card is so good is, you know, kind of what we've been talking about. Like, it, it can be difficult to get warriors far away from bases mm-hmm. uh, into, you know, sensitive clearings, and this is just an easy way to, like, teleport a guy very far away and then spend one of your evening actions just organizing there. This is a crazy card for these guys. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. And it just costs one card, which... Once the Woodland Alliance has a base up, there's no problem.
2: Yeah, and right? getting got, and crafting this is no problem for them either. Like this right, is a right. cinch.
1: Yeah, because it costs three wild crafters, right? So the Woodland Alliance definitely has three supporters at some point in the or three sympathy tokens on the board at some point in the game. So very very possible. And yeah, like I said, the EMP deck
0: it's super fun as the Woodland Alliance to play with this deck because there's even more cards that are fun to work with. Uh, the other two that I want to talk about being positive impacts uh, on the Wooden Alliance are False Orders and Master Engravers. False Orders is pretty self-explanatory. It's, it's a Swiss army knife of positive benefit for the Woodland Alliance. You can either you know, control someone else's warriors and march them into a sympathetic clearing of your choice, triggering outrage, and they would pay the card. Yeah, famously. yeah. let's
1: just clarify who pays that card, because this is confusing.
0: It's the your opponent whose warriors you are moving. You treat yourself as that opponent and their hand as your hand for the whatever we talk about in the <laughs> rules episode. Go back and listen to that for Uh, I I, I, I I think it is worth
2: (laughs) Getting at least a concise clarification On it in this context as opposed to Referencing people go listen to a different Two hour conversation we've had (laughs) to figure Out what we're talking about because this is Really confusing so to be clear What we were saying is that like When you use this ability You aren't playing as yourself You are playing as your opponent and therefore Your opponent's hand is your hand
0: That's right you treat yourself as your opponent For the purposes of moving And uh, when you treat yourself as your opponent, you treat all properties of your opponent as yours, including their hand. But you can't look at their hand, right? You can't look at their hand, no. That's that's still information that belongs to your opponent. Interesting. I think you might be able to press somebody in root court to uh, <laughs> take a peek at their hand, but I root don't court. think that... <laughs>
2: Only on I don't Fox think that matters. at 11 a.m. every day. <laughs> <laughs> Um so fast order hand- <laughs> Sorry.
0: Oh my god. Is there a faction that would make a good judge? Just like a I- balding
1: badger up there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the badgers would be good. It's it's tough when you get that all lizard jury, you know what I mean? <laughs> You got to play a different kind of, pro- uh, you know, prosecution. When they're just looking at you with that
2: vacant stare and they're all wearing the same robes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, how false orders can be used. Kyle, you talked about making another player pay a supporter to you. Um, can you think of any other, like, great instances of using false orders?
0: Absolutely. And these aren't mutually exclusive. But the other thing is you can break uh, martial law. mm If somebody has three warriors in a clearing, three or four, um, or five actually, right? Is it rounded up?
1: Yeah. I I don't actually
0: know what the most recent clarification of that is. I think it's rounded up, yeah. If an opponent has between three and five warriors in a clearing, you can false orders that clearing and make them uh, move those warriors somewhere else and uh, take martial law away in that space. And that works um, out timing wise,
1: right? Cause we do that in bird song, then we spread sympathy. So, Oh yeah, you're right. That is a really good use of it.
0: Yeah. Basically you can clear the way in a crucial moment so that you can spread sympathy with less effort, with less supporters, uh, which is awesome. And you know, if on top of that, you can false orders them into a sympathetic clearing and make them give you another supporter, like, that's kind of nice, too, because it's, again, before you spread Sympathy, so you gain an additional supporter in that case.
1: Ooh, that is spicy. I do like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's pretty nice.
0: That's pretty nice.
1: Um, all right. Uh, I, I see you got Master Engravers here. Always a good card, but especially for a crafty faction, this makes a ton of sense, right? Master Engravers gives you an extra point every time you craft an item. So that just means coins are worth four. teas are worth three. I mean you can see how quickly that can get out of hand.
0: Yeah, this is a little bit win more. You know, it's, it's kind of a hopeful craft. Uh, but, you know, if you're in a game where your opponents are doing a really good job of tamping down your uh, ability to spread sympathy, then this could give you that extra boost that you need to get into a good end game position.
1: Okay, good. I feel good about this crafting. And I'm glad we actually had a faction this time that really can take advantage of this crafting. Right. I felt like birds was like, if you get lucky cats, it's like, yeah, m- maybe put it in a mouse clearing and hope for the best. But I feel like with this section, we got to outline some cards where it's like we can go out of our way to make sure we get this special ability and we can see how tangibly uh, that will affect our game. Right. How absolutely how, how differently our game can go when we craft that. Um, I did see a lot of people contribute this week that warned against crafting cards early, though. And, uh, Kyle, I think this is a great transition into kind of the setup and the early game. What kind of things we're thinking about? We don't have a lot of setup to do. We get three supporters, and then we kind of just look at the board. Uh, So (laughs) what are we thinking about when we are setting up and, and, and having our first early game turns?
0: Yeah, so you start with three random supporters as the Woodland Alliance and no board presence. So uh, your initial sympathy placement can be very important. And, uh, you know, placing sympathy... Um, it's hard to say, like, correct or incorrect, but basically placing sympathy in a way that doesn't help you get a base can set you back a long ways in the game. Wait, how would you define sympathy that'll help you get a base? Because... Exactly, yeah. So the, <laughs> the that's kind of the, the trick. Uh, and this is where, like, kind of understanding what's going on above the table can can give you a hand. Not that you'll convince anybody to leave your sympathy alone too often, but what you want is a revolt on turn two. That is the ideal opening as the Woodland Alliance. The way to identify what clearing you're likely to revolt in is to look at your starting hand and and then at your supporters. Whatever, you know, if you start with a bird card in hand, that's excellent. Because you can use that to revolt in any clearing. But say, for instance, you have two fox cards in your opening hand. You're going to be looking at those fox clearings and saying, one of these is going to be my base on turn two. That's how you start. Find that clearing and then spread from there to uh, other clearings around it. What, I, what I've what i been thinking about lately is create a threat in a clearing where you're not likely to revolt and kind of draw your opponent's attention to that clearing instead of the one where you're actually gonna revolt. Last pointer here is you wanna try and go for a base that's centrally located or in a clearing that's connected to a lot of other clearings. Uh, For instance, on the autumn map, you're gonna go for Texas, that fox clearing in the middle (laughs) connects to five other ones, mostly because it's easier to get your sympathy online earlier in the game if you have a lot of places to spread to it's harder for your opponents to kind of stop you
2: um so yeah that's kind of my early game advice uh let's see what did you say about um like create a threat where you might not revolt like a threat means put sympathy where you might not revolt right but like i feel like your Mm -hmm. options are still pretty limited wherever you place your first sympathy your next sympathy has to be adjacent right yeah, and that exactly. that ability to spread that is still dependent on your cards in your supporter stack. Right.
0: It's actually like kind of a deep mini game, uh, placing this initial sympathy. Mm-hmm. Cause some other things you would you want to be thinking about are like, you know, placing sympathy near a faction that likes to move around, you know, for instance the Eerie dynasties. That's usually a good idea because again, moving into a sympathetic clearing triggers outrage. So if you can create a little containment zone yeah. around the Eerie uh then they're more
2: likely to move in and trigger outrage give you a supporter i guess that's my question is like when you play the alliance and you look at the board there's usually two heavy at least two heavy factions out there and by heavy i mean they're they've got a big presence already on the board who do you decide do you decide first you decide first based on your cards what clearings are option are within your options right and then, secondarily, do you choose like, well, who's gonna leave me the alone the most, or who's going, who am I gonna, um, who am I gonna benefit more from based on their movement capabilities? I
0: think it's the second one. Mm-hmm. You you want to be close to the player who's moving the most. Mm-hmm. The thing with the cats, for example, is that the cats don't move that much right. usually, and they're more likely to clear your sympathy before moving into that clearing right whereas in the decree movement happens before battle so they have no choice but to you know move in there first (laughs) that's a good point um so yeah factions like the warlord are good to to spread sympathy around uh factions like the duchy it's really good to spread sympathy around them because they have a a tendency to move around so one other thing to think about here is you're going to be mobilizing cards in your starting hand that is uh taking those cards out of your hand and placing them in your supporter stack. And if based on your initial deployment of sympathy, you know, say you've spread to two rabbit clearings and you've got the coins in your hand, you might be tempted to go ahead and craft that card for three points, right? Like that's pretty nice. I would caution players against doing that. Uh, I think that early on you want to keep a little bit of a low profile Uh, you want to not be attracting heat to yourself by getting out to an early lead. And you want to save that card to train an officer. Like, if you have the coins and they match your starting base, uh, or the base that you revolt on turn two, man, that's a tough choice, but I'd say train the officer. Spend the card, train the officer. Don't craft it for points. Save that for the end game. You want to try and, uh, yeah, hold on to those cards early on as best you can.
1: That's so hard for me. That is so hard for me to be mm. in a position to craft coins and then actively choose to take zero points. And set. I understand that um, we have to get our engine online, and we kind of have the slowest roll to get our engine online, but once our engine's online, it's kind of the most dead deadly one. So yeah. I understand why you have to do this, but it breaks my heart to not craft coins. <laughs> yeah, it feels
0: a little like feels a little bad. You you always want to try and craft as the other factions. And this is the
1: one where it's like, nope, hold back. Hold back just a little bit. Especially just in the early game. I like what you said there. And you kind of said, like, uh, hold on to that for the late game. You don't mean the card. You, we're using that card in our supporters or we're training an officer for it. What you mean is, like, hold back that urge to craft. We're going to craft later on. And so there'll be time for that.
0: The Within Alliance has generally pretty good card draw one of their great advantages and so you're likely to draw into some valuable items later on in the game especially if you get a second base up Um, last thing to point out is that we have this thing the five supporter cap it's printed in very small text near this the uh, sympathy track and to me this is the the game within the game within the game. (laughs) So you start with three supporters and you start with three cards in your opening hand. All right. You're going to mobilize at least two of those starting cards from your opening hand. And you're going to try and spread sympathy to three clearings, you know, spending each of those three supporters. This is where things get tricky. Do you mobilize the third
1: card? Yeah. I saw a lot of discussion on the discord this week about, should you mobilize the third card?
0: I mean, it's so situational. And my... It's very hard to give general advice here, but my general advice is you're going to want to mobilize it. Mm. <sighs> it's so typical. <difficult. laughs> if it if it matches the base that you're expecting to get on turn two, hang on to it. Use it for an officer. Like, if you already have... If you've mobilized two, it's a bird card and one other card that's going to match your you know first base. Then leave the second one in your hand. Use it to train an officer. But... It's, yeah. If you mobilize all three, it is possible for your opponents to kind of abuse the supporter cap by, uh, you know, moving into a sympathetic clearing, getting you to five, and then they don't <laughs> yeah. care anymore. What's
2: what's an ideal, this is, might feel a little off topic, but like, what's an ideal officer number? It depends on the map more than anything else.
1: Oh, not what I was expecting.
2: This is going to be
0: my hot take later. But I'd say, in general, you're going to want to be working with about four officers. Mm-hmm. You're gonna push it a little higher <gasps> if it's later in the game, what? And even higher if it's your last turn, if you're winning on what? this turn.
2: Yeah, yeah, because the organize you wanna exactly, like exactly. Yeah.
0: The way I think of it is four is a good number because that lets you move twice and then organize twice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So th- that's a you know you're, then you're spreading sympathy like really really efficiently. Right.
1: I have a question, uh, kind of about efficiency in the setup early game, Kyle. You said we want to revolt on turn two, but you also say we want a base in a connected space. If I have the option to revolt on turn two in like a crappy corner with only two paths, or maybe it's like next to the keep or something. So I only have like two paths that really are viable. Should I be doing that? Or should I be holding out to get a better base? 99%
0: of the time you're going to want to revolt. You, the thing is you want to open up those evening actions as soon as possible and revolting in a clearing that isn't less than optimal just means that you're going to be working that much harder to get the second base in a better spot. Yeah. Um also you relieve the supporter cap issue. Right. Uh earlier so you can start banking supporters. And you know, even if you're in a bad clearing, you can still turn it around if it's early enough. So, if it's turn 2 and you have the option to revolt somewhere that's kind of lame, I'd say 99% of the time still do it. The 1% of the time that you're going to hold off, though, is if it is actually the worst clearing in the map. If it's next to the keep and there's only one other clearing and you can get hemmed in pretty easily. If if that's the place to where you are, could possibly revolt and you're able to spread sympathy somewhere else and you have the cards in your hand to mobilize to give you a revolt somewhere better next turn and you have a matching ambush. Then I'd say hold off one wow, turn. Wow,
1: that is a lot. <laughs> That's of a stipulations. lot of contingencies.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Like I said, ninety-nine percent of the time you just go ahead and do it, and then you know make it work. But yeah, if if you can hold off for somewhere better, and you have all the right tools, hold off for one turn. But yeah, don't mm-hmm. don't push your luck too much. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: great. So we've got a base. Uh, we now have some evening actions we can take. We're kind of like getting into the mid game here. What are we trying to eye? What kind of position are we trying to take in the game? What are we trying to accomplish in our mid game to set us up for the end game push?
0: In the mid game, you're going to be thinking about uh, doing two things. One is hunting for the second base,
1: mm-hmm.
0: finding a good location for that. If you already have a central base, then one on the edge for your second base is a good a good place to go.
1: Is that just to if keep you're, it like defended? Like just have it on the board, but out of everybody's yeah. way.
0: The the Woodland Alliance has very few warriors, so the you know the more you spread them out, the harder it is to keep everything defended. Hmm. And losing a base is pretty painful. So yeah, if you have a centrally located initial base, try and go for the second one that's you know a little more out of the way, like a little easier to defend. Mm-hmm. The other thing you're going to be thinking about in the mid game is, uh, defending a key sympathy. Um, I haven't put this in, in this kind of, in these terms before, but I, have been trying to think a little harder about how to, um, give this advice in a streamlined way, but basically you're going to be spreading sympathy around a lot. There's going to be certain clearings that factions want to kick you out of immediately. And those are the clearings where you're going to send one warrior in to just like protect it, protect that sympathy and make it very hard for your opponents to get rid of it. Um, Frequently, that's going to be a central clearing, a very connected clearing. You're going to maintain your connection to as much of the board as possible by protecting one Sympathy. So think about that in the mid-game. Defend your bases, protect a key Sympathy, hunt for base number two if you don't have it yet. Um, And then, now's the time to be crafting those items and upgrades. Your card draw is just going to get better and better. And then, I, I guess lastly... Play against factions that have a hard time with, with an alliance, you know? Put sympathy in the way of, uh, you know, a striving eerie player. Um, plop a sympathy on a clearing with a tunnel if you're playing against the duchy. Um, Just, yeah, m- make life complicated and gum up the works as much as you can with that sympathy.
2: How do you calculate the value of letting a sympathy get taken or be undefended or... Uh, I don't know like I guess I know cont- every context is different that's what we always struggle with when talking about these faction guides but like uh, what value do you place on them at certain is it, um, is it certain supporter cost levels or certain point thresholds or combination of
0: the most valuable sympathy is one that is in a clearing where martial law is active if there's three warriors in a clearing and there's a sympathy there yeah you want to defend that just because if they, as soon as they take out that sympathy, it gets very expensive to replace Place it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, losing a sympathy in a clearing with one or two warriors is no big deal. You'll just get that right back. Uh, but as soon as martial law starts getting
2: going around the board. Martial law doesn't apply to revolting, though, right? It doesn't require you to spend no. more supporters. It's still a flat two for revolting. That's right. And then also with organize, there's no straight ruling just as the same way as sympathy is spread. Like, it doesn't have to be adjacent to existing sympathy, correct?
0: Right. It does not have to be adjacent. Mm-hmm. Uh, martial law does not impact organizing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, organize is going to be one of the best ways to get sympathy into a clearing that has martial
2: law. Right. I think it's the thing I didn't realize like is their most powerful ability right it's like how organize, they get their yeah. swings like i know you said it didn't come from a too much organizing in that whole 19 point swing but i bet a lot of it did like, <laughs> like it's still
0: yeah, probably probably usually the, past- those are
2: the three and four point yeah uh, sympathy placements come mm-hmm. from organizing
0: because mm-hmm. you've kind of stocked up with your bird song yeah. sympathy spread and then you know fill it martyrdom in the as you like to call it <laughs> exactly exactly uh, the last thing to keep in mind in the mid-game is realize that your opponents generally will be recruiting more warriors to the board mm. as the game goes on. So the likelihood of martial law increases and the cost will increase accordingly as the game goes on. So make sure that you're able to get that sympathy into a good spot as early as possible because uh, it will just get more and more difficult. And, you know, obviously the alliance doesn't have a lot of uh, weight to throw around in terms of reducing warrior count uh, through straight battling. So you're yeah make it make it tough for your opponents to uh, hem you in and try and get that spread going as soon as
1: possible. Kyle, you talked about crafting some items, and obviously we won't want to keep up with the pack. But I imagine we are we are comfortable trailing for most of the game here. Um, I, I I've seen that. Well, you better be. Many you don't times. have a choice, right? <laughs> yeah, many times the Woodland Alliance is very good at just having a big play at the end. So. If you have a T in your hand, are you wanting to craft it now? Or are you trying to save for a big push? How much of this are we like holding in our hand for a big surprise? And how much are we uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses?
0: The Withered Alliance is a classic faction that wants to kind of shade their points a little bit. If you pop out to any kind of lead in the mid game, uh, be prepared to be targeted down pretty hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Players will actively play against you if you are looking too strong. And the best way to look too strong is to score those points too early. I mean, read the table if if players have a lot of mouse crafting ability and you have the T in your hand right now. I say craft it. Right, right. I say craft it. Coins is very provocative. More provocative than T. I think just from a like image perspective perspective yeah, you know I agree. players see you craft those coins and they're like okay well we have to destroy you now <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I, I think you know be be judicious about it if you're crafting those one point items i i actually think that's a great way to go about it is like craft a boot craft a bag mm-hmm. so slowly build up your your advantage and then burst at the end
1: yeah that's a good call speaking of the burst at the end Um, you had talked about scoring 19 points, but I don't imagine that's the prescriptive amount of points that we're going to be winning this game with, but it is a large number. We talked about the cats need to get to like 24 points before we're like, they could win woodland Alliance. I feel like these conversations at the table happen when they get to like 16 points.
0: Yeah. I I would say like 17, 18 victory points and they're in striking distance. Uh, the number 12, Is actually like pretty important.
1: Oh, is Uh, it?
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs) Tell us. Uh, Sympathy wise, it's uh, it's possible to score twelve points like pretty easily through spreading sympathy and organizing, and then like crafting one time. Uh, and anytime they hit 18 victory points, I'm like, they could win on their turn, well, right, if we're not careful. But
2: why do you say 12? Like, that's another. this is another situation where we've said the number with such emphasis and then not backed it up with... 12. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so, if you look at our little sympathy track up here, you'll see that there's three twos and then one three and then three fours, mm-hmm. uh, f- points for spreading sympathy, that is, and... On a good turn, the Woodland Alliance can start by, in Birdsong, spreading a couple two pointers, and then organize for the end here. And say, for instance, you spread two two pointers and then a three and a four. That's eleven, pretty, pretty easily. Uh, and then one more point from crafting, you get twelve. I, I just like I've seen that amount of points get scored on a pretty regular basis. Mm-hmm. There's there's a bunch of different ways. Uh, combinations to get that total, but uh, 12 is definitely in reach, and that's the kind of danger threshold. The like actual, like, red alert <laughs> is when they hit 18 VP, but they can do it from, from even before then, like you said, Sam 16 victory points, and already we're like, uh oh, <laughs> with Alliance is in the end. Does game, everybody,
2: everybody get scared when all three of their bases are out? Like, I feel like what happens at the table when what does the end game look like for your opponents? You know, like when do they start getting scared of you? Cause I understand that 18 seems like the number, but also it's like, where is the Alliance at in terms of their infrastructure?
0: Yeah. A third base is super tempting as the Woodland Alliance player, right? You're drawing four cards at the end of your turn. You've got so, so many officers. You can do whatever you want. I'd say in terms of end game, like only get the third base if you're winning this turn that's pretty much ah. the only time so you're unless not, you're on
1: the winter map you're not gonna oh okay all right excited for this <laughs> but uh, so we really aren't using it for extra card draw then it's
0: just not gonna be worth it it's too hard to defend you're spread too thin say you have you know four officers and you revolt you're gonna you know end up with five and then you only have five warriors to defend your bases it's gonna it's gonna get really hard you're, yeah. you're spread too thin it's too easy to camp on one or two or all of your bases. Um, So I'd say beyond like more than trying to go for that third base in the mid game, perhaps in the end game, it's worth it. And by end game, I mean, it's the last turn, but frequently you're using those two supporters to spread sympathy for a bunch more points than the base would get you.
1: Yeah. So I I think that's good advice. Hold back on that, that third base. Um, But in terms of what, when you become a threat on the board, I think after the second revolt, and if you are having interactions with player, if you, if you're, if that supporter stack is flowing, that's the biggest sign to me. I feel like if I see the supporter stack and where they're at in their sympathy track, that is their game state more than it is anything on the board. So if they are feeling good on those two fronts, then they need to be dealt with. Uh, I want to, ask one quick thing about kind of our end game burst Kyle are we holding on to specific supporters at all or what when you're gonna do that big thing how much prep goes in versus just like the engine gave it to you naturally
0: yeah um, the in terms of the things you save for the end game high value items you save for that last turn Mm -hmm. try and save your bird supporters if at all possible because those are gonna be the fuel that gets you through a line of martial law into some, you know, softer clearings on the other side of the map. Even one extra bird supporter could be the difference between winning and losing the game. So really, really try and bank those if at all possible. They're the most valuable, uh, piece of your engine in all honesty, uh, which is why when you lose a base, you lose all your bird supporters with it. Cause they are super, super valuable for, um, you know, getting back in the game. Uh, Yeah, so items and bird supporters. I'd say those are the two things to be kind of hanging on to in your hand from turn to turn.
1: Awesome. And uh, dominance victory. We're definitely trying it, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Never. (laughs) There is that Steam challenge, right, on the Root Digital app on Steam like where you have to do that, where you have to win dominance of the Woodland Alliance. Kyle, have you ever done that?
0: Uh, i mean yeah but you're playing against the ai like they <laughs> barely know what they're doing uh, you know the vagabond and the eerie ais don't even try and address the dominance it's just the cats if they can even figure it out uh, yeah and you're going for the bird dominance obviously right you right. want to try and
1: get control of the corners that's pretty much all you can hope for is the alliance all right some weaknesses of the Wooden Alliance. We haven't mentioned almost any other than this like warrior limit, I guess, but we've already found ways around that. So what are the weaknesses here, Kyle?
0: Yeah. The Woodland Alliance, they, they seem unstoppable, but in reality, there are, there's a really easy way to make sure that the Woodland Alliance player never gets out of hand and never has any chance of winning the game. And that's to sort of board wipe their sympathy for four turns in a row.
1: <laughs> wow. All right. I didn't think yeah. you would say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's that's seriously the easiest way to stop the alliance. Um, <laughs> it does require coordinated effort from the players, um, largely. It, it, it would take efforts of th- your three opponents to do that for four turns in a row. And it's actually pretty unlikely that that would happen at a higher level. I say only because it ends up hurting the other factions that have to spend actions doing cleaning up sympathy early in the game also it distorts the ecosystem of pressure in the game in a bad way for most factions the pretty much the only factions that benefit from board wiping the woodland alliance multiple times are the lord of the hundreds and the eerie and i don't know maybe the lizards (laughs) like it's kind of hard to say but usually you're gonna want some woodland alliance presence to help buffer against uh the super military factions the red factions that being said i generally find that most players won't put that kind of effort in right because they're too busy building up their own engines Mm -hmm. to try and you know actively win the game against their other opponents. i guess
2: i feel (laughs) like that's another reason the woodland alliance is easy to like uh, can get away with those late game bursts too, is because it's kind of hard to see their stuff coming because they have such a yeah. small visual presence on the board as well. So there is like a little bit of the meta of just like you kind of don't notice their power until suddenly it punches you in the side of the head.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and what just to clarify, the reason I say four turns is because that's about the time when martial law really gets going on the board, mm. and then it becomes gen- like pretty impossible to you know, have enough cards in your supporters to, like, even hope for a revolt. And you're just drawing one card at a time for those first four turns. I feel like that's
2: also, again, like everything, so contingent upon what's been happening, right? Whether the other players have really been uh, at each other's throats and knocking out warriors versus, like, who's at the table now? Because especially now that we're going to have the Marauder expansion out soon, you know, we're not guaranteed to see the same level of movement between what we see with the Eerie or, like, the establishment of cats at the top of the game all the time. Or as often, yeah. It's
0: going to be it's going to be interesting to see how those dynamics play out. Like I think the uh, Keepers and Iron uh, aren't the most you know card rich faction in the world. Same with the Lord of the Hundreds, and so losing a card to Outrage is going to be a little bit painful for them. So I it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those faction matchups develop in the future. Yeah. But in 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 like a normal game, when the Woodland Alliance has a base and is you know playing the game the best way to defeat the Alliance is just set up martial law and then park a bunch of warriors on their base.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, and then just don't interact with the sympathy. <laughs> That's all you have to do. You know, if, if they have a base, whatever suit that base is in all the rest of the sympathy has no hope of revolting. Right. right yeah. Uh, Cause that base is already on the board. So you can just let that be. If you have martial law in a clearing in their sympathy there, yeah, feel free to take out that sympathy. It's going to be more expensive to replace, and uh, th- their engine slows down the less you interact with it. So, uh, almost in a, in a weird way, by interacting with the Rebellion, you legitimize the
1: resistance. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I, I feel that's like the theme and mechanics are very well married with this faction. Uh, very, very cool for that.
0: But if you're in a game and the Woodland Alliance has gotten a real advantage going, they have a big stack of supporters, they've got a a hand of five cards and they're looking pretty strong well then you gotta take out a base yeah and depending on how well defended it is this can take some coordinated effort from the players but taking out a base is the number one way to uh, ensure that the with alliance has to spend a turn or two recovering when you destroy a base the with alliance loses half of their officers rounded up they lose all of matching supporters including bird supporters which we mentioned earlier m- are one of the most valuable things that they have in their toolkit for the end game uh, you just wipe them out and that will you know hit the snooze button on the alliance for a couple turns <laughs> it's so,
1: that's so much easier said than done if they have if they've been smart and only have two bases and they've got three warriors on one and two warriors on the other it's, even having two battles, I don't feel confident in my ability to take out a woodland alliance base that's guarded by two warriors, uh, unless you have some kind of like brutal tactics or you're the eerie commander. You get extra hits for something or partisans.
2: It's yeah, just it's just Im- such an investment. You mean? Oh, well, yeah. here's the thing though: like, what do you do as their opponent? Because you're right okay let's say there's two or even three on each base and there's 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 two bases out on average at the most well on average uh there's generally not three so that's six warriors out of their 10 so they're really not elsewhere on the board beyond their sympathy right so that they've kind of been locked down into two places so that's there's kind of a trade off there in terms of like what power they truly have right The thing is,
0: is once the Woodland Alliance has the warriors on the board, they are on the board. Mm -hmm. They can't be turned into officers. They can't be recruited. They exist on the board. And that's once they like physically exist, then it's easy to pin them down. You just send a bunch of warriors over, park on top of the base. Um, The Eerie has an easy time doing this. The cats do. um, The Duchy does. You know, there's ways to do it. Warriors are their weak points. So if you're the lizards converting... You know, one of their warriors into a lizard is so painful for the Woodland Alliance. They have to spend their evening actions recruiting again. Um, it's very easy to slow them down that way. Uh, the way I, I phrase this here is in, in most normal games, careful movement and a steady trigger finger are going to be very effective against the Woodland Alliance. Choosing when to actually take out that sympathy or when to just leave it alone and take the risk. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, Basically, the Woodland Alliance, their engine gets revved up the the more you interact with Mm -hmm. it. So having a... Steady trigger finger. Very important.
1: I've also seen, uh, I think you showed me this trick first, Kyle, of using the Woodland Alliance against another player. Like, let's say I'm birds and Jake is cats. Using the Woodland Alliance uh, against Jake would be something like, I'm taking out a sympathy here, giving a, a supporter to the Woodland Alliance. And the only other sympathy on the board is in Jake's neck of the woods. And that I can give the Woodland Alliance the fuel they need to revolt on Jake while guarding my own stuff. So there is like, they are like a resource that can be used as in table talk uh, or, or just, you know, used their, their mechanisms are used by other players to affect other players kind of through the Woodland Alliance. Very interesting.
0: Yep. That's sympathy ping pong right there. (laughs) You give them a supporter so that they can revolt on your opponent's uh in, in you know it's kind of like the the rat line right you're you're trafficking arms to the rebels so that they can make life hard for your opponent mm. the enemy of your enemy you know Right,
1: mm. right. right. Mm-hmm. all right so let's talk about some enemies here let's talk about some faction interaction <laughs> um the cats how are we interacting with the cats i know from the cats perspective that the woodland alliance is a terrible thorn in the side of the cats because they are costing them precious actions to deal with stuff. It's so scary to see a sympathy token in the clearing with my sawmill. <laughs> I have to take it out, right?
0: Early game especially, the cats really struggle to balance getting their engine online with trying to protect the woodland from getting overrun by the alliance. Uh, yeah, you know, as the cats, my general advice is uh if the woodland alliance is in an especially provocative clearing that is your only sawmill a cluster of crucial buildings or in a clearing where having a base would be uh extremely detrimental to the rest of the board in the game then maybe take it out but for the most part you know when they revolt they take out all the buildings so there are building slots opening up that's the flip side yeah
2: um, but yeah, they're, they are such a thorn in the side of the cats. They're also in a position to just take out sympathy because statistically speaking, where they start in the game is probably going to be where some sympathy forms, right? Yeah. So like they can get some early points, especially if they don't have cards in their hand that match that clearing. They can be like, well, I don't lose anything by this. I gain a point from it. Now, generally, the cats don't want to be using their battle actions right then because they want to get their empire started. But, I mean, for a point, an action's worth it, right? Generally, I'd say sometimes. <laughs> uh... <laughs> generally, I'd say sometimes. Oh
0: no. Yeah, it really is very dependent. Get the shirts Spending ready. that extra action.
2: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, specifically, I'd say sometimes. Sometimes. Um... <laughs> I think, like, the Woodland Alliance exists to make life hard for the cats. Right. Is how it generally goes. But the cats are well-positioned to make life hard for the Woodland Alliance. Um, (laughs) It's one of those things where, you know, as the Alliance player, this is where a table talk can be very handy. Yeah. I feel like I'm often telling the cats, hey, I'm spreading sympathy here, but I'm not going to revolt in Rabbit this turn. So, like... Don't freak out. Don't waste your (laughs) actions battling me there. Don't freak out. Have a steady trigger finger. It's fine. And, uh, you know, like, bulk up. Like, build your (laughs) engine. Like, I don't want the cats to be too weak if I'm the an alliance. Right. uh, Because then everyone can focus on me, and I suffer as a result. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's a weird symbiotic kind of thing going on where, like, yeah, sure, you, you could be threatening some crucial structures, but also the way to present it might be, Hey, I'm going to be a buffer between the cats and the other red faction in the game. I'm going to try and capture the movement of the Lord of the hundreds or the Eerie or something. And so the like little like, you know, line of green sympathy is sort of the buffer territory between the cats and the other military faction. Mm -hmm. And so the borderlands quote unquote, that you create by placing sympathy there, uh, those can actually be very helpful to the cat's player. They discourage the eerie from marching in there straight away. For example, um, they give the cats a little breathing room to, you know, build on a less, you know, defended clearing, for example. So I've seen the cat's player hide behind sympathy. Like it's a shield. Yeah. So sometimes it's, it's very
2: valuable to leave that sympathy alone. Right. Cause it's, it's hindering the movement of the other player. Well uh, yeah. Making it difficult, I guess
0: it's a buffer. Yeah. It's a buffer. You know, they, they may be less inclined to build there if the threat of revolt is present. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's actually kind of a weird push and pull thing, but you know, if the weatherlands gets a little too frisky, those cats are going to take it out in a heartbeat and they have the actions to do it.
1: Uh, speaking of from one kind of sympathetic relationship to another, we've got the birds. This is a very key one because we know where the birds are moving from. We ha- they their, ha- their movement is very transparent. And so we can do a lot of planning around that. Right.
0: Yeah, it's easy to shut the door on the Eerie uh, and trap them in a web of sympathy. And <laughs> that that's, like, often the play against the Eerie is to just, like, plug up the clearings around roosts and on roosts, um, specifically because the Decree uh, movement comes before battle. And in order to battle sympathy, you have to be in the same clearing. And so there, there's often a lot of moving and triggering outrage before battling and triggering outrage again. Um, they're just, you know... They're the cash cow for the with Alliance. It's a slot machine that you just keep pulling. Um, uh, yeah, I love when the Erie's in the game, if I'm the Alliance. That said, if the Eerie starts with the despot and they go for a battle type of strategy, yeah. it's game over so for that, everybody. That's, <laughs> I was
2: gonna say, that's the thing though, right? Is because the, the 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 birds are looking for opportunities to fight and you present them defenseless fights, which they sure they'll take. Yeah. Yeah. And they're tokens,
0: so the despot's gonna score an extra victory point for every token they take out.
2: And they're kinda of fine giving away some of their cards in their hand that are suited, because they don't love suited cards in general.
0: And they generally don't even have a hand to for do most that of the team. early games. Yeah, game. that's true. So it's it you know, life can be extremely difficult playing against the despot opening uh, as the Wither Alliance. You gotta really watch out for that. Um, sometimes you have to coordinate with the table if that's the strategy you're playing against. You got to say, you know, play some sympathy that's a little far away from the despot. Or if there's a sympathy around and that's going to give them too much of an advantage, try and convince the other players at the table to take it out. Um, Love that. Yeah, it's it's pretty tough in that kind of scenario. You got to really, really work to terminal the birds. And I, I think that's something that, that you should alert the players at the table to and say, like, hey, I'm not going to even get on the board. Uh, because this despot's going to be cleaning up all the sympathy and they're going to win the game unless we turmoil them. So like, I'm going to spread over by you. Just leave it alone and go hit the despot.
1: (laughs) That's a good call. Uh, Unfortunately, the birds have another leader that can be your wind slaying kryptonite, which is the commander because the commander deals an extra hit as the attacker in battle. That can be just what they need to chew through those warriors with guerrilla warfare and uh, get to that base to keep you from winning
0: yeah there's uh it basically negates guerrilla war in in a lot of circumstances and um yeah i life is scary when the commander's on the board (laughs) that's when i'm like definitely bulking up on my uh base defense i'm having Mm -hmm. two guys there minimum Mm -hmm. sometimes three just to just keep my stuff alive like the commander is one of the scariest things to play against
1: well, uh, something that everyone else fears is the Vagabond, but we don't have as much interaction with the Vagabond as I thought. I was, like, thinking about it, and I'm like, because the Vagabond's not a warrior, they don't trigger outrage when they move to our clearings, so that's less interactive. Um, they, If they remove it, they'll give you a supporter, but um, also because uh, the 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 key thing with infamy the vagabonds infamy is when they remove a warrior then uh you go hostile but because you're just taking out tokens the vagabonds hostility doesn't trigger for a while so they kind of they're kind of ships passing in the night with their mechanisms just a little bit
0: yeah they tend to be pretty nimble too so they can often kind of like deftly escape from clearings where a revolt is likely i've seen it where the vagabonds are like They act as the lackey of the cats early in the game uh, and will, like, clean up a little sensitive sympathy Mm -hmm. uh, on behalf of the cats, just so the cats don't, like, attack them or anything. Um, So, yeah, there's there's not too much interaction early on until the Vagabond gets a crossbow. That is just (laughs) death for the Woodland Alliance player mainly because it becomes really hard to protect sympathy, not just your base, but like sympathy out on the board. And once the Vagamund goes hostile with the Woodland Alliance, Oof. all that sympathy starts getting them two points. And then they just run around and score a billion points. So it, against the Ranger specifically, uh, like in Root Digital, I will be judicious about sending one warrior to protect any sympathy because it, it Means that they can easily go hostile
2: with you Early in the game and that is a scary place To be
1: (laughs) that's interesting yeah That's tough
2: I feel like I Generally ignore the vagabond in my Woodland games and only when They become you know the threat that they Can become in the end game do I pay Attention to them but I'm like I'm looking at every I'm looking at the faction with Presence on the table because that's Really what affects us so much the vagabond Kind of becomes invisible to my eyes both probably as A detriment to my own strategy in That case
1: yeah yeah, I think that makes sense, though. We, 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 Yeah, we just talked about how they don't have a, a, a ton of notable interaction. I think crossbow is a good, good thing to keep in mind, Kyle, that that can be painful for sure. Yeah,
0: that's the other way to negate guerrilla war is uh, just take out the warrior with a free crossbow action and yeah. then use the swords, now that you're hostile, to battle against all the cardboard. You know, a base in sympathy is four points right there, so like... It's uh
1: it's a scary swing that's yeah, possible. Yeah, from the they get button. so many points from devastating your game and then the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can see the tables turn. So crafting a
0: crossbow in a game with the Woodland Alliance is a hostile action. Ooh, interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. All right, we got otters, okay? This is one that I think we got pretty simple advice. We're not buying, right? <laughs> We're not buying anything. We have 10 warriors.
2: Yeah, that's, that's it. It's simply it's we, we have 10 warriors. We can't afford to give up any of them because our warriors are not only our warriors. They're also our officers, and our officers are our actions. So yeah. no dice. That's why also Coffin Makers is so terrifying, right?
0: Right. Yeah. And never believe the otters if, if they say they're going to give them back. They won't.
1: Or even if they do, like, that is not something we can just prescribe for people on this podcast right i feel like seven out of ten players would just like be like no i'm gonna keep these forever you made a terrible mistake
0: yeah you gave me 20 percent of your fighting force (laughs) on like turn one or whatever i'm just gonna hang on to it
2: how (laughs) often is that like all freaking otters though right like i don't know i feel like maybe this is a personal bias but i feel like the otters are always coveting my things
1: yeah yeah, and that's what <laughs> they, are. they have. They have so much incentive to if you're Woodland Alliance. It devastates your game, and it yeah. requires me just holding on to two more actions every yeah. turn. Sure, I'll do that. Um, So I would just say don't buy, unless it's like the last turn of the game and Mercs or Riverboats is going to do something for you. I think that's highly situational because you'd probably rather have those warriors as a part of that last turn moving and organizing or becoming officers so even in that it's very situational
2: i would see like if you have like some warriors that are buried in a base that's safe you know and you it will win you the game to spend them or like or to even uh use a couple actions to get them then spend them or
1: whatever right if you you get coins or something for the last points or something sure there are circumstances but overall we're not buying
0: yeah especially not early in the game yeah
1: um lizards this one is one of the n- most notable faction interactions in the game. I think it's Woodland Alliance and lizards. It is like two people wrestling with each other and they each have a blade to each other's throats. <laughs> they have <laughs> a, a perfect toolkit to ruin the other person. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, this is why I think it's so important to get on top of this interaction early in the game and to communicate very clearly with, with each other about what you're going to do. And to be
0: descriptive here, uh, from the Woodland Alliance's perspective, if you play sympathy in a clearing with a bunch of lizards and gardens, that lizard player is going to have a really hard time dealing with that sympathy, especially if you can control the outcast in other ways. Um, Because it costs acolytes to battle. You know, that's going to be very difficult. And the threat of revolt is so dire for the lizards because losing gardens means losing cards from your hand and just by generally being reset on your ability to score points. Um, it's it's deadly. It's a deadly threat, and it's often hard for the Lizard's player to directly combat it.
1: And some some interesting like mechanic things that are going on. You have to discard supporters to spread sympathy to the clearing, right? So let's say yeah. you discard rabbit supporters to spread to a rabbit clearing with the Lizard stuff in it. So now those rabbit cards are in the Lost Souls, waiting the Lost Souls to... B, so that the Lizards might be able to deal with it, it provided they have the Acolytes and the Outcast stays. Um, but if you use bird supporters to spread to that clearing, then the Lizards don't have that advantage. So there's a lot of really small interactions that go on here. Um, obviously, once they revolt on the Lizards, that's devastating. We're going to lose... Uh, the Lizards are going to lose cards from their hand, and... Um, uh, and but they don't get the lizards as acolytes because they were not removed in battle. They were just removed right. in the revolt. So uh, so then you're thinking, oh no, really, the woodland alliance has the upper hand in this relationship. but then sanctify the lizard's ability to spend some acolytes to convert a woodland alliance base to a lizard garden. That's so brutal. Can be devastating, yeah. Who, yeah. who cares about rolling the higher die? I don't need to battle you. I just convert your building. You lose half your officers and half your supporters. It's
2: yeah, like moles. Like the alliance has such a penalty for losing their buildings. I, mm-hmm. It's probably worse for alliance, arguably. So like yeah, the fact that they not only are wrestling with them, as you said earlier on, but like that they have <laughs> such an Achilles heel to the Lizards in particular. Yeah. yeah, and because the
0: warriors on the board are so precious, to the the alliance like even the simple converting yep. of a warrior into a lizard is very hard for the Woodland Alliance. Cause they have to recruit. Now they're like rule over that clearing is, you know, a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Um, it can quickly become very challenging. And yeah, you're right. It is two people just, slowly taking
1: each other out yeah so i (laughs) largely what i would say is get on top of this or like communicate your revolts with the lizard player like kyle said like he was doing this with the cats right like i'm gonna spread sympathy here but i'm not going to revolt on you and i would like keep to your word especially in the early game with these things like work with the lizard player because you guys have the tools to take each other out don't waste them on each other in the early game if you need to take out that player at the end, you have the tools. You don't have to worry about, like, ruining their game early on. You guys will probably need each other yeah. because yeah. you can always take each other
2: out later. I mean, that's kind of in some way always true, right? Like, whenever you ham- hamstring one of the four players at the game, you've potentially given a real foothold to someone else. Yeah. But, like, I I, I think I think with a Woodland Alliance, most especially because you have zero presence on the board at the beginning of the game, you really have to be... Uh, you have to you have to communicate. You have to be a little diplomatic with uh, your rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do
0: agree. It's it's often an unproductive to have a mutually recriminative relationship with the lizards early on.
1: All right. We got the moles next. Uh, Garrick S. says, spreading before the moles take their turn and after the moles take their turn is a world of difference. Um, obviously, this is a situation similar to the Erie where we're trying to capitalize on their movement. We know that they can come out of their tunnels, so that is a great spot uh, for us. Um, and the moles are a big army faction, so we're always trying to capture some movement and stuff here. But what makes this interaction so uh, such a world of difference, Kyle?
0: Yeah, uh, two things. Um, one is, like you mentioned, the moles need to move via tunnels to get their guys they recruit onto the map and generally the clearings with tunnels uh, later on in the game tend to be the same clearings that have buildings and uh, you know like much like the lizards when the moles lose buildings they they lose a lot so uh, the threat is very real the other thing is that the moles' scoring depends on the cards they have in their hand Uh, specifically revealing cards that match clearings that have mole presence and uh, if you can sap those cards as the Woodland Alliance, you know, you know, drain their hand a little bit, that had is so painful for the moles. And, and in order to deal with sympathy, especially in the clearing with the tunnel, uh, the moles are going to have to spend one of their two primary actions battling that sympathy and coughing up a card. So you, you for the yeah. price of one sympathy, are super, super draining uh, the moles early game in a, a really tough way. That's an
2: interesting thought I didn't realize is like yeah the card is a very heavy penalty for moles right but then the fact that they only have those two actions before they get any ministers going that's that's half their actions yeah right and if they don't want to battle it and they
0: instead want to just move like they're still going to pay the card either way you know if they're going to go small mole then like you know they're going to be recruiting but then they have to leave them in the burrow like and it's opening
2: you up to just a random ambush because they can it's just like yeah yeah. (laughs)
0: Life is rough, uh, and which is this is something I, I haven't seen as much in games that feature the Woodland Alliance and the Moles. Is that the Alliance player should be going for the Moles like immediately? Mm. It's so, it's you're going to get so much benefit out of it as the Alliance player, and you're going to make life so tough for a faction that can easily get beyond your ability to control later in the game. because mm-hmm. yeah. you're like, what are you going to do later on? They're going to set up martial law everywhere, and I think this gets to the heart of what Garrick is saying spreading before the moles take their turn you can just plop a sympathy on a tunnel clearing and then they have to deal with that and it's very tough but if you go right after the moles they can set up martial law yeah they can make your life extremely hard they can camp you know a bunch of moles on the clearing with a base they have a lot of tools in their toolkit to dismantle your ability to impact the board uh so yeah bring the fight to them as early as possible is my advice
1: And uh, finally, we got the Crows here. Fuglis with some uh, uh, insight here saying, Corvids are probably one of the better uh, Woodland Alliance counters, saying that uh, they can clear sympathy without having to move into it. They have uh, false orders that they can use on the same turn, right? They can craft false orders and then use it, which is a big surprise to the Woodland Alliance, who is now (laughs) vacating their own base. (laughs) Um, Now, do they have to pay for their own... Uh, outrage? I'm kidding. Um, And then uh, three is they have snares, which anything that's going to impact the Woodland Alliance's ability to move is going to be quite devastating.
0: Yeah, snares can be pretty tough. Um, You know, a snare on a clearing with a base is especially awful because you can't move any warriors out of that clearing and you can't place pieces into that clearing. So recruiting and moving become impossible, uh, which is horrible. But even just a snare, like in general, like you place sympathy, right? So you couldn't place any in a clearing with a snare. And it's often beyond the Woodland Alliance's ability to go out and, you know, make a strike at a, a snare on the board. Like, that's pretty tough,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, generally speaking. So, yeah, snares are uh, real, real headaches. And depending on the map, too, they can, if they plop a snare down in a crucial choke point, like, that can hem you in in a big way as the Alliance
1: All right. Well, then let's talk about these (laughs) map-roonies. Autumn map. The base map. I saw a lot of people on this week's discussion talk about how the Woodland Alliance is almost a tier better on the autumn map than they are on any other map. Kyle, do you uh, agree with this? Is this true?
0: 100% true. The results for the Alliance on the autumn map are far and away better than any of the other maps.
1: And that's... uh, that has to do with connectivity, right? on on the auto map, all of these clearings are very connected and there's very few choke points.
0: It's very easy, especially if you have a centralized base, to escape any uh, containment as the alliance. It's um, yeah yeah, it's, there's just so many options and it's just impossible to get martial law everywhere. And uh, yeah, the alliance generally just has a slightly easier time finding the breathing room they need to flourish on the autumn map.
1: I got a question. Do you think it has more to do with how many clearings are connected and the paths and stuff, or do you think it has to do with the even distribution of suits on the autumn map?
0: I think it is both maybe even more about the even distribution of suits than it is the paths uh, because the mountain map also has a lot of connectivity, just not as early in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the random suits on the mountain map can be, Um, really, really cause a lot of headaches. The fact that the auto map is distributed so evenly um, makes it really easy to uh, stay flexible and recover from getting pinned in somewhere.
1: Okay, well, we can't stay flexible and we might get pinned in on the winter map. How do we... Now, this is is your (laughs) hot take, right? This is what you've been preparing for? Yes.
0: I've been playtesting with an alliance on the winter map exclusively for the past week to try and figure out what to do, because, you know, when Wintermap came to Root Digital, there was a statement, I think, from Garrick saying that, uh, oh, the Woodland Alliance win rate is about to plummet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I think I agree with that because the terrain is inhospitable for sympathy. There's so many choke points at the top and bottom of the map. The other thing is that the clearings aren't as well connected. There's not as many uh, places to g- get around that kind of pressure. So, what I've learned from my week of very frustrating playtesting on the winter map is that uh, just probably don't pick the Woodland Alliance if you're on that map. <laughs> um, pick something else. Really? It's going to be a lot easier. But if you are stuck with the Woodland Alliance on the winter map, here's what to do. Start by spreading sympathy in the south, in the bottom part of the mm-hmm. map. Mm-hmm. Avoid the top. Uh, that is death. <laughs> <laughs> try and... try and um... Yeah, because there's more clearing options down there too, right? There's more and clearing it, options. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just there's a, a little more working room for you. You
2: want diversification in the spread of the clearing suits, right? Like you don't want a grouping of similar because you want to get your bases. Yes, you met, want it yeah. to
0: be spread out mm-hmm. as much as possible. But because the winter map is randomized right. uh, frequently, there's like a little pocket of like three fox clearings or something, and that is just so hard to deal with right. uh, as the alliance. You can get really stuck. So focus on the bottom part of the map when you're first starting out. You're gonna you're gonna go for a slightly higher ceiling of officers on the winter map. You're gonna be looking for five. Uh, That's my advice. Aim for five officers, and with that higher, because
1: you need more actions to move around.
0: Yeah, there's gonna be a focus on deploying your forces uh, out onto the map as much as possible. Like I find that risky plays with the alliance on the winter map become pretty imperative. Like. You're going to send a guy on your first turn, like, out onto the map. You, you just you have to try and get out on the map as early as possible and move your guys around to defend that sympathy, especially in choke points, because if you get boxed out, sometimes you're not seeing the, that side of the map again for the rest of the game, unless you can protect that sympathy and that access. So, yeah, you're going to want five officers as soon as possible. Um, on the auto map, that's not as important, but here it definitely is. Also, like the quarters are much more confined, so you may need to battle a little bit as the alliance to kind of break out of pressure. Um, and this is the only map where I'd say go for three bases.
1: And why is oh. that? Is that just the extra officers? What are we do- trying to do there?
0: You actually. So the the main issue with three bases is that it's hard to defend. On the winter map, though, having that third base can be. You can place it in a clearing that's easy to defend, usually. Right. Like, th- some of those clearings that are to the extreme east and west are pretty tough to access for most factions. This does defend in the faction mix. If the Corvids are in the game, for instance, uh, maybe don't go for right. <laughs> for the third base. Mm-hmm. If the Rangers in the mix, right. maybe don't go for the third base uh you may just kind of create more weaknesses than than you can control but i'd say to a large extent it's pretty possible to go for that third base and keep it defended enough to where that extra card draws what's going to ultimately win you the game right you're going to be able to craft a little better
1: you're saying we got to make some risky plays and so this third base might be the gambit we need yeah
0: after just hours of bashing my head against this map i really think that with great risk comes great reward on the autumn ma- on the uh, on the winter map
1: all right so we got lake map lake map also has some choke points are we as worried about this one what's what's different
0: there's a little more flexibility on this map I'd say avoid the kind of like bottom part of the board yeah, that's yeah, yeah. A, things get a little more clogged up uh there than on the the top portion of the board there's just more clearings on the top try to stay as close to the lake as possible um because factions are going to be moving around using the lake so uh try and stay keep at least one sympathetic clearing adjacent to the lake because when you get boat builders crafted you know things open up for you in a big way suddenly the map is very connected and you can explode off of one clearing that is sympathetic next to the lake uh there is one clearing here that's kind of important it's the top kind of center clearing that's connected to four others that's um A point of interest it can be pretty tough to hold but it's not only a choke point it's connected to a lot of things so that can be a great asset
1: i hear it's listed here as lake texas
0: (laughs) it's lake texas (laughs) yep (laughs) exactly but let's let's move on to the mountain map because i think this one is a little counterintuitive the mountain map is obviously extremely interconnected there's um you know i think more paths on the mountain map than any other Mm. uh which you think would be great for the alliance but it actually can be extremely difficult to get your engine off the ground. And that's mainly because those most of those pathways are closed at the beginning. And there's only one way to access both east and west, and that's through the pass. So uh, the thing about the pass, you may want to revolt there, because, you know, that seems pretty nice, right? But there's just no way that the factions are going to let that happen. Um, there's, there's no mix of factions that I can see, like, allowing that to happen, Like, that's the most provocative clearing in the game to place the sympathy. So, like, you're going to get cleared if you And honestly,
2: you shouldn't because, like, that's the most provocative clearing in the game. So other players are going to put focus on that. And the more focus directed anywhere but your bases is great. So, like, go far away from the pass if you can, right?
0: I'd say pick one of the, what I call the base camp clearings. There's four clearings that are adjacent to the pass that form kind of this like box around the pass. I call those the base camp clearings because they're kind of at the like base of the summit of the mountain in a way. You're going to want a base in one of the base camps. Um, That's, that's usually one of the best places to be. Um, If you go to the corner or the edge of the board, you'll get squeezed and have a tough time getting out of there. Um, But players have to move through the base camp to reach the pass. And they tend to be connected to a lot of other clearings in kind of surprising ways. So it gives you the most flexibility without becoming a target. And it means that you can frequently march one little dude into the pass and then just organize him there and make everybody else freak out. Yeah. So that's always fun. Yeah,
1: Yeah. if you need those extra supporters. It's always just good to kind of be able to predict and plan, right? So if I know I can throw a sympathy in there and I'm going to get supporters back because they're never going to let me revolt there, that, that could be nice. But yeah.
0: Classic example of a, an idea from chess, which is that the threat is stronger than the execution. If you just set up the threat and force everyone to respond to it, sometimes that's even more valuable than like, you know, like having a base there. Cause you know, that's a careful what you wish for kind yeah, of, uh, totally. kind of moment for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's great. Okay. Wow, guys, wow. man, we did it. We learned the, the Rebels. Woodland Alliance guide. Wow. I do feel like I'm more prepared to play them. I do. I'm- yeah,
2: the this, this opened my eyes to availability of movement. I, I always consider it important, right? But like, y- you realize how much the adjacency rule of sympathy spreading is key. I found that in my playtesting play games as well. It's like, where you start really defines kind of the rest of your game more so than almost any other faction, I'd say. Like the
0: cats, you can lose the game on a, on a bad first yeah. turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and an unfortunate set of supporters too. Like you're so you're so contingent upon how fortunate you get with who wants to join your cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: but don't forget, you can use table talk to yes. kind of swing things in your favor, yeah. especially if you understand your role in the ecosystem. With the cats as a buffer for example
1: i really like what you've done here kyle because i feel like there's a lot of talk online about how they're like kind of solved or they're this mechanical faction but i feel like you we've done a good job of highlighting all the ways that they are actually like a very good faction for the meta uh ways that you can interact with people and kind of where the predictability of the game actually does go off the rails you we're talking about like turn three or turn four where it's like at that point, your situation is going to be so varied that it the idea that this is solved or that you can prescribe a win is is a little overstated, I would say.
2: Also, how do you solve a faction that has the guerrilla warfare ability? <laughs> like, that's so bonkers because you can't predict how – like, battles are already hard enough to predict. But with that going against you when you attack them, woof. Yeah. Yeah,
0: changes the math completely. It, yeah, it, dramatically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For more math, check out our, <laughs> our components episode.
1: I love that we got another 12 reference in here, too. Um, here we go. I got some special thanks to give to 12 our, of them. 12 of them. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. A um, uh, lot of great people uh, on the Woodland War Machine Discord channel, on the Good Time Society Discord. You guys, please uh, come and join us and talk uh, with us. Jake, how many are there? I think there's 12 of them. All right, we got Marcus the Cat, Garrick S, Justin K, Germ Curry, Nebuchadnezzar, Fuglitz, This Just Ten, Fancy Zeeling, Aquaman Boss, Croomster, Prestane, and Fantastic Mr. Trickster. We got 12. Whoa. Whoa. All right. It's
2: a conspiracy. <laughs>
1: All right, well, I've enjoyed uh, organizing with you guys today. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it as
2: well. Thank you so much. Thanks for all this
1: insight. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go play. Let's go do it. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs>